All right. Welcome. Welcome to City Life. I normally am up here doing announcements, but it's a blessing to be up here preaching the Word of God with you guys. I'm blinded by that sun right there, so I'll try not to look there. But good to have everybody here. Uh, for those of you who uh, may not know me, my name is Anthony Hills. My wife and I, Amanda Hills, have been a part of the launch team here at City Life uh, for over a year now. And so um, we were a part of a group of people that felt God was calling us to be out here. And so um, if you uh, were a part of that, you know that God has been growing the church uh, quite some some bit since we've been here. If um, you weren't a part of Newport News, you were a product of a lot of prayer and people were praying for you. So if you're sitting here and you're like, wow, I like what God's doing here. Um, you're an answer to prayer because we're praying for you. And so uh, my wife and I are just uh, very, very thankful to be here tonight. And I'm very thankful to share God's word. So this is my first time preaching God's word. So I get a chance to uh, teach the men of City Life, uh, the base camp, the first and third weekends of every uh, month on Saturdays. And this morning we actually went out. We were the hands and feet of Jesus. But typically we meet and we sit at the feet of Jesus and we just read God's word. And there's many guys in here that help share those teaching responsibilities, I being one of them. And so uh, tonight, I'm very, very happy because 10 years ago, the man that you see now here would have been completely different. And so um, I have been changed completely by the grace of God. I am a new person. I am completely different. Um, matter of fact, so many times you see in the Bible when Jesus meets somebody, he changes their name completely. And so uh, I'll share a secret with you. Some of you may know, but my nickname before was Herm. And so most people would know me by Herm, uh, but none of you guys do because when Christ comes and he changes, changes you, he makes you new. And, and I really feel like um, that, that that person that, that I used to be and that people knew me by, Herm, is completely dead. And Jesus uh, has changed my name, if you will. And now you guys know me by who I am in Christ. And so um, because of that wonderful, beautiful grace, I'm excited to talk to you about Jesus and what he's done in my life. And I have a message here that I'd like to talk with you guys about that uh, was put on my heart years ago um, whenever I was out sharing the gospel with some people in Pittsburgh. And uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm from Pittsburgh, so go Steelers, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to do that, but go Steelers. I'm from Pittsburgh, and uh, I was actually in the city of Pittsburgh with a good friend of mine sharing the gospel with somebody, and this message came to my heart. I never got a chance to put it together, but when Pastor Justin asked me to preach, uh, I really just felt like, all right, it was time to put this together. And so without further ado, we're going to start with Jesus. We're going to start with the scriptures. We're going to work from the scriptures. We're going to dial in and dig into some stuff. We're going to back away after we read the Bible. We're going to pray, and we're going to get right into it, okay? Sound good? All right, so I feel like God's giving me a message about idolatry. Who here has ever willingly can admit that you've wrestled with idolatry? Um, th there's, a, there's a pastor named Vody Bauckham that I listen to a lot. He says, if you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. So uh, I think many of us probably have wrestled with that before, and me being one of them. And so I want to just go to Romans chapter 1, and I want to talk with you guys about true worship versus foolish ideas, and that Jesus wants true worship from us versus foolish ideas. So you can pick up your Bible if you have a Bible. If you don't have one, cool, because I'm telling you, I wouldn't have had one 10 years ago. I would have been wondering, you know, I can't read that, these and thous and all that. But if you pick up the Bible in your pew, it's real easy to read, I promise you. Or you can read along to the screen, to the left and the right. And uh, we're going to read this. We're going to read actually more than what I want to preach on because it's important when you read the Bible that you read it in context. If you don't read the Bible in context, you will come up with some foolish ideas 
foolish ideas. You know, I actually heard somebody say once that the Bible actually says there is no God, but what it says is that a fool in his heart says there is no God. So you cannot take the Bible out of context. So we're going to read a little bit more than what I want to preach on just so we can get some framework here. So this uh, book, Romans, was written by a man named Paul who was completely changed by the grace of God. So we're going to read this here. We're going to talk today about sin. So uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, you can pick up a Bible swipe or look on the TVs. says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. They have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, okay, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. I'm going to crush this water by the end of the night. Okay, so um, this scripture here, it's Romans 1, 18 through 23. We're going to talk about 21 through 23, and I believe there's three key points that we're supposed to get from this. And so if you spend enough time mulling over and reading the scripture, um, you can dive deep into it. And I really feel like God gave me these three points from uh, verses 21 through 23. And I feel like uh, what God wants me to talk to you about is how our sinful hearts lead us to sinful behaviors that will result in idol worship. So we're going to talk about these three points because I believe we can clearly, clearly see that in the scriptures. And so before we um, just go any further, it's important that we go to Jesus in prayer because without his Holy Spirit's power, you guys are going to walk away no different than you walked in when you came in. I'm not going to walk away any different. We need the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, to move amongst us, and you need to feel the Holy Spirit's conviction, not Anthony's conviction. Amen? All right, so let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we love you. We are so thankful that you give us your word. We're so thankful that we don't have to guess what you're like. We can open up the Bible and we can see what you're like. Lord God, we can open up the Bible and see what we're like. And when we see what we're like and we're confronted with what you're like, we have no reason to turn our backs on you. We should just be open and thankful for who you are. And that should turn us into transformed people by your love and your grace. So help that tonight. Lord, I can't do it. There's nobody in here tonight. I can't change their mind. I can't make them think differently. And I can't make Christians, Lord God. But you, Lord God, can change the heart of man. And thank you for doing that for me. And just do that tonight. Change our hearts and encourage us tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, I'm going to need some help tonight. So uh, I know we're a church of some charismatic folks, and so uh, I need some help tonight. I need some participation. I've been to City Life long enough to know that you guys do like to interact a little bit. So um, can you guys help me out with that? All right, cool. So uh, I am a millennial. Who in here is a millennial? Okay, millennials. There's all this stuff about how millennials are hard to deal with and, and all that stuff, but I'm a millennial. I'm actually like barely a millennial if you look at it technically. Um, some might not consider me that, but I grew up in the 80s and then the 90s. So like late 80s, early 90s is when I was, you know, coming out of my teenage or coming out of my, you know, preteen years and a teenager and all that. But I can still remember every room in my house did not have a TV at one point in time. Who can remember that? 
Anybody? Okay, so if you're under 18, you, like, have no clue. You're like, I got TVs in my kitchen, which I do. I've got TVs in my bathroom. you got TVs in your palm of your hand. Some of you guys are taking pictures right now with your little mini TVs. So we're obsessed with technology today. And that's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I remember when my TV looked like this. My first TV was, like, 542 pounds, it would take six of y'all to bring this in our house. I mean, this bad boy was huge. I mean, no joke. I don't even know that they had TV stands back then. But whatever was propping up this TV, I don't even know how it worked because this thing was heavy. So it had these rabbit ears that helped you get, like, six channels. You got, like, two, four, nine, 11, and 12. You might have had, like, 13 channels. And uh, if you're under 18, it might be foreign to you, the little clickety-click turnstile thing it's got on there, those knobs. Well, um, if you're under 18, you would have been the remote control, right? Who here remembers that, right? I remember being that guy, like, boy, get up, turn the news on or whatever. Like, that, that was me at my grandfather's house. So I remember this TV, and I was just so happy. Um, so I really loved watching TV like most of you guys did, but we didn't have VCR. So TVs were the first thing. You had to go, like, rent a VCR. If you had a VCR, you was living large back then, right? And so, um, so there was no DVRs. There was no on-demand television. There was no Netflix, Hulu, none of that. If you liked a show and you wanted to watch a show, it was all about sacrifice. You had to sacrifice your Saturday mornings, right? Like my kids right now, my daughter watched, uh, I don't know, Mickey Mouse at my uh, father-in-law's house on my lap as we downloaded it, and I did nothing. She just watched Mickey Mouse, boop, pulled it up, watched it, good to go. Like, that didn't happen when I grew up. You had to wake up Saturday morning. You had to sacrifice a Thursday night to sit down and watch TV. And so that's what I did. I had to sacrifice many a Friday night to watch some TGIF. Come on, man. Who here remembers TGIF? So TGIF was a lineup of shows on ABC, and uh, there was like four shows on Friday night from 8 to 10, and the, the acronym is for Thank God It's Friday, and my favorite show was on TGIF. I mean, I really loved TGIF, but you couldn't record it. You had to literally sit down to watch it, and so I, I know you guys like giveaways and all that, so keep your hands down first. Don't try to anticipate my question, but I got a giveaway for the first person in here that could tell me four shows that aired on TGIF as it started. No, there was actually like 20-some shows that were on TGIF from the late 80s through the early 2000s. And so for the first person who raises uh, Alan's, like, I don't want to commit. My wife knows it, but I can't give her this, this Starbucks card. So anybody want to go for it? Nobody? Nobody? Yvette? Yes. Oh, come on, Urkel? Come on, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyone else? Oh, hold on, hold on. She said, okay, Urkel, go ahead, step by step. Yep, you, you're right. Full house, absolutely. That was my favorite. That was my favorite. All right, you got three. One, got one more? Oh, for real? Anybody else? Yes, hanging with Mr. Cooper was one. I'm going to give it to Yvette since she got close. Man, you guys are, like, scared. Like, I, w I really thought you want to give that to Yvette. 
That's $10 of Starbucks. You can go get a one coffee and still pay like $3 because it's super expensive. But um, TGIF. So, so yeah, I love Full House. Watch Fuller House with my kids. And, um, but so, yeah, I would sit down and I would do that and sacrifice a Friday night. And so um, I was raised by a single parent here. So, uh, like I said, I just became a Christian. So I'm not your nice church boy that was raised by a mom and a dad. Unfortunately, my mom was a single mother, and I did not grow up in the church. And so um, by God's beautiful grace, my kids are going to get to grow up a lot differently than I did. But I had a single mom. So anybody here who has a single mom or who is a single parent? Nobody? Like, like, okay, cool. So it's tough, right? And so my mom actually had to drop me off at my friend's house in the mornings really early because she worked and they had to take me to school. But it was so, so, so early that she would just come down in the robe, click on the TV, and I would sit there and I'd watch TV for like an hour and a half. And so, like I said, TV had just started, so there wasn't all these stats like kids shouldn't watch TV and blah, 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 and your eyes are going to get bad. So I'm like literally like face-to-face with the TV for like an hour every morning. And so um, my friend's mom used to laugh and joke and say I was like TV God because I could say, hey, this is what's going to be on Full House. Don't watch it. It's a rerun. Go to the football game, whatever. And so I would know all of the PSAs, all the G.I. Joes, all the, all the who knows the G.I. Joe um, slogan? Anybody? Yeah, Yo Joe, Real American Hero, but um, their slogan, the slogan, the uh, knowing is half the battle. Exactly. So I knew all that stuff. Knowing is half the battle. I also used to like the jingles, the commercial jingles and all that. So they were just stuck in my head. And so there was this one um, commercial that was stuck in my head. There was this um, department store we had back in the day in Pittsburgh. It was called Hills. Who here remembers Hills? Because I know you guys had Hills here, actually. I figured that out. So Hills um, had this commercial, and it had this commercial jingle. Did anyone ever remember a commercial for Hills? It was something like, Hills is where the toys are. So that was it, right? And so from a young age, like, I'm sitting there watching TV, and, and I'm like, yeah, you know, Hills is where the toys are. And so I wanted to go to Hills with, with my mom. And every time we did, I wanted to go down the toy aisle. And it was a department store. It was very similar to Ames, if you've had an Ames. It's kind of like Kmart. Um, but that's all they had, really, back when I grew up was Hills, Kmart, or I'm sorry, yeah, those two. And that was it. So Hills was where the toys were, and they also used to have like commercials within a commercial where they would like talk to you about the toys that they have. And so this toy was one that they, that they always talked about. And so does anyone remember the Mr. Potato Head commercial? No? The jingle for Mr. Potato Head? Don't nobody want to sing it for me? It's Mr. Potato Head boop, and his bucket of parts. Buckets of fun for everyone. Man, y'all really, I really love me some TV. So uh, anyway, Mr. Potato Head. I actually didn't even really care less about this toy. I thought it was stupid. But because I sat down and I watched TV so much, like the jingle was in the back of my mind. I wish I could get scripture in the back of my mind like this. Uh, unfortunately, I would see these commercials over and over again. So the point is, this stuff would stick in my head. And I don't remember actually ever having a Mr. Potato Head, but people actually loved it. They loved it because with Mr. Potato Head, you can make him look like whatever you want, right? You get this potato. It's got a bunch of toys in its butt. You open up its butt. You pull out the toys, and you can make him look like anything you want. You can put some weird eyes on him. You can put a mustache on him. If you're like me, you put his hand where his mouth is. You can do whatever you want. At the end of the day, you put all the toys back inside of the Mr. Potato Head. You throw them back in his bucket, and you're good to go. So you make this toy in your image, make it look like whatever you want it to look like. So the concept of this toy 
was something that a lot of people loved. And it wasn't something I was enthralled with particularly, but it's something that I actually took this concept unknowingly into my walk with the Lord when I became a Christian. So, so here's Mr. Potato Head. You all right? You good? Okay, cool. So here's Mr. Potato Head. This is what he looks like. And so um, I actually took this concept into my walk with the Lord, and it plays a horrible, horrible, um, what do you will, example as far as um, when, you, when you're walking and you walk with the Lord. And let me explain it, is that I thought I could treat God like Mr. Potato Head. I thought that I could choose from the 27 interchangeable parts and make up my own God. Now, I wouldn't have knowingly told you that. I'd have been like, come on, man. Like, I don't worship another God. I worship Jesus. But when I became a Christian, I thought I could be a Christian without the Bible. I thought I could be a Christian without spending time getting to know God. And I thought that I could pick and choose the things from the Bible to associate with Jesus. So essentially what I did is I developed what I like to call a Mr. Potato Head Jesus. Yeah, Mr. Potato Head Jesus. And uh, that's what I had created, honestly. And I'll explain to you how it worked for me and how, if you're honest with yourself, it probably has worked for you. So, um, all right, I love the gods of God of love. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to put that part on my Mr. Potato Head Jesus. But what I don't like is that he's a just God who doesn't like sin and wants to change me. I'm going to take that part and stick it back in the bucket. God doesn't want me to lust over another woman and to have sex before I'm married. I don't like that. But I do like the fact that he wants me to, I don't know, love other people. or You, you, you go for it. You know what I mean? If it was going for me, I liked it. If it was something that went against what I liked in my flesh, I did not like it. And so on and on, I played this game here and there. And Okay, you know, you want me to do this, God? Well, I don't want to do it. You want me to do that? And essentially what I was doing is what you're seeing in Romans 1, what we talked about, is uh, my sinful heart was leading to sinful behaviors, which resulted in idol worship. And honestly, um, just keeping it real with you, I, di I didn't even know that until, honestly, I came crashing to my knees. And so I don't know where you're at with Jesus, where you're at with God, um, if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, or if you're not a Christian and you don't follow Jesus. But I had actually made a confession that I was a Christian before I actually became a Christian. And um, I actually really don't know that. He either saved me here or he saved me there. His grace is sufficient. But um, I actually thought I was following God, but I tried to do it without a Bible. And what happened was I was being dictated and directed by my sinful heart. And so um, let's talk a little bit about sinful hearts. Let's talk about sin. If you break down the first scripture that we talked about, it says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or give him thanks. And so really, I knew there was a God. I grew up. I went to the Catholic church. I went and did CCD, and I did all of that stuff. But what I would have said was, yeah, Jesus is God. Yep, absolutely. You know, I believe that. But honestly, I didn't believe that because it wasn't affecting my life. It wasn't changing me, and Jesus wasn't something that I truly had affection for. So I would have said, yeah, I know God, but I wouldn't worship him. I made that decision not to. And so the reason why I did that is because this unfortunate reality that we're all sinners. Who here knows that? That we're all sinners, right? Sin actually came into play. I'll give you brief history. God makes Adam and Eve to be in perfect fellowship with God, to be walking with God. God gives them one rule, one rule. Hey, don't eat from that tree. And they break that rule. 
one rule. Like, you think, like, there's a lot of people now that think, man, God just man, he wants me to do this, he wants me to do that. Man, look, if you had one rule, you'd have jacked it up like they did, right? And so what have I? And so they did. They jacked up the one rule. And then because of that, because they chose to disobey God, sin has now affected all of us. hope my time's not up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that one thing brought sin into the world because of that disobedience. Um, and so now David actually says in Psalm 51 that uh, sin has affected us essentially since birth. Actually, it says, um, and I'm going to read it, Psalm 51, David says that, get my notes here. I can't find it, but he says, like, since I was conceived, I um, had to deal with sin. So if you have kids, you know that your kids are sinners, right? Okay. If you don't have kids yet, you're about to find out. And if you don't believe it, if you don't believe what David says about sin, if you don't believe what God says about sin, then when it's 70 degrees next, go to Fort Fun in Newport News. Who here has ever been to a playground on, like, the nicest day ever? Like, it's real nice, and you go to the playground. And I'm telling you, it's like Lord of the Flies. These kids, they're running around like crazy. The parents are sitting there on the side. I mean, I've actually seen some parents involved in some shady activity, like, making out while some kids are running around acting a fool. But, but you see sin on display through kids. You really do. And you see it in us as well. Uh, but sin is completely on display in humanity. It's a problem that we all have. But, but God. And so this is what I want to talk about. So I'm going to give you a lot of good news tonight. But let me give you some bad news first. And the bad news is that we're sinners. But the good news is that God tells us in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says that he set eternity in the hearts of men. So he actually did this when he created us, Adam and Eve. He said, it, he said eternity in our hearts. And what he means by that is he put the desire for something not of this world inside of all of our hearts. So we have a desire to know him. We actually do. And Romans 1.20 talks about his invisible qualities are on display, that we have no excuse no excuse, no excuse for not um, accepting God. So where's the disconnect? You put eternity in our hearts. We have no excuse for not knowing God. Like, like, how does all this work out? So let me explain. So the desire for eternity is set in our hearts supernaturally, but naturally we deny the way by which we, to, we are to obtain that eternity. So everybody in here, no matter where you are with God, you are in a place with God that you're either denying him or you're following him. There's no two ways about it. You're in one of those positions or the other. Um, if you're denying him, odds are you know deep down that there is a God of some sort. You can look outside and see the sky. There's some people that will deny that left and right. There's, and we, that, we, that's another conversation for another day if you're an atheist. But if you ever meet an atheist, most atheists will talk to you over and over again about why they believe there's not a creator. And they do that because I believe they're trying to convince themselves every day that there's not a creator because they're faced with creation every day. They're faced with it. So um, God puts eternity in our hearts, and we have the ability to see him on display. But we need divine intervention by Jesus. We need divine intervention. But our sinful hearts, apart from Jesus, will lead us to sinful behaviors. And that's what you saw with me. That's where the Mr. Potato Head Jesus came in is because I wanted to come up with my own ideas about God. And if you look at the scripture, Romans 1 verse 21, it says, and they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. And that's, what the, that's where this came from. Mr. Potato hit Jesus. It was a foolish idea. So, so I was trying to come up with who God was apart from his word, and you cannot do that. You can't. 
You will come up with a Mr. Potato Head Jesus if you try to follow Jesus and not read the Bible. Because you are not following the Jesus if you're not reading the scriptures. You got to get him from the source. And so John chapter 1 talks all about the word. The word was God. The word was with God. The word became flesh. So we see this in John 1.14. We also see in Hebrews 12.2, the author of Hebrews says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. So if Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith and we neglect spending time reading the Bible, we're neglecting spending time with Jesus, who is the word. So if Jesus is the word, we neglect time spending time reading the word. We're neglecting the one person who's there to transform us, is there to save us. And so your neglection of Jesus, and so let me speak to family. If you're here and you're a Christian, I'm, I'm talking to you. Your neglection of Jesus, you're neglecting, I should say. I think I just made a word, neglection. But your neglecting of Jesus is actually hindering your walk with the Lord. So I'm going to talk about some statistics here. So I was doing some research. And so I've been walking with Jesus for a while. And I, I'll sit down and I'll talk with people. And um, what I see, unfortunately, and a lot of people who are struggling with issues of life is they've given up on spending time doing the two things that God desires us to do most, and that's to pray and read the Bible. Pray and read the Bible. It's really simple, but sometimes it's so complex for us. And I speak from experience. I did it for eight months. I said I, I, said I love Jesus. I want to I follow Jesus. I was going to save the world. I loved how God was all about love. I didn't like how he wanted to call out sin. I picked and chose the things I loved about God, but I didn't start reading the Bible until right here. And all this nasty, ratchet, horrible stuff I did in between hurt a whole bunch of people was because I didn't know the God that I was made to worship, and I wasn't trying to do that. Look, the Bible is the fuel for the Christian. How are we surviving as Christians if we're not spending time in the Word of God? And so I did some study. I did some research because I wanted to see some numbers. So uh, I actually work in the pharmaceutical industry, and we deal with numbers all day. So statistics are very important to me. I know they're important to Wayne as well. Me and Wayne have shared some statistics before. And so if you're a stats guy, I want you to see this. So Lifeway is a Christian bookstore. They also have a research section. So they did some research, and they researched 2,900 churchgoers like you and me who come here every day, Protestant churchgoers. So you think evangelical Christian. Think us here in the room. 2,900 of us. They, they surveyed 2,900 people. 90% of those people said, I want to honor Jesus with my life. I want to honor him. You guys can probably relate to that. I'm sure everyone in here wants to do that if you follow Jesus. Well, as they did more uh, research into this and asked more questions, what they found was, practices of these people who said they wanted to honor Jesus didn't really line up. It's specifically speaking of reading the Bible. My voice just cracked like I was 12. But 19% um, of people read the Bible every day in this study. So if that holds true, that's a very, very low number out of that 2,900 people, right? So 19% of the people read the Bible every day. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not preaching legalism. I'm not saying you have to read the Bible every day. I'm saying you should read the Bible every day. You should. It's like, I'm not going to put gas in my car today. Okay, well, you're going to freeze because your car's not going to move. That's just what we should be doing. So if you're not reading the Bible every day, I get it. You miss some times here and there. But so 26% read a few times a week. I mean, where is this disconnect? 20, um, 26, what is it in the next one? 14% once a week, 22% at least once a month. The one that I'm most concerned with is this last one. 18% of 2,900 Christians rarely or never read their Bible. If you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. 
So if those numbers hold true, if those statistics kind of partially held true here in City Life, out here in Suffolk, with the amount of adults that we have, not including your children, so everyone here who can hear my voice, there's 16 to 22 people in this room who have rarely or never read their Bible, who are Jesus followers. This is not, hey, I'm checking this Jesus thing out. This is people who confess that they're Christians. 16 to 22 people in this room, if those numbers hold up. I pray that's not the truth, but I'm wondering if it might be for you, because it was for me. And I'm just keeping it real. It was, and that's how this happened. Mr. Potato hit Jesus. So our lack of reading and studying God's word will lead to these sinful behaviors and foolish ideas. I mean, you're called to follow God. You're called to follow Jesus. What do you know? How do you know which direction you're going in? Right? How do we know? And so um, that's my little detour and that's my little rant. But we're called to true worship. And true worship is spending time reading the Bible. So when you neglect time reading this, you Jesus is going to look like this. I say it from experience. It's just what's going to happen. And so um, stop with the foolish ideas. And here's the beauty, man. God is a God of grace and God is a God of love. And let me tell you, I can count quite a few sins that I've committed today because I'm not perfect. So I'm not sitting up here trying to tell you that I'm perfect. Um, but none of that defines me. None of those sins define me. Jesus defines me. Okay? So if you're here and you're like, man, I don't even know where my Bible is. You know, I've, I've been there. I didn't know where my Bible was. Um, I didn't read my Bible for, for quite some time. I got to the point where if you would have said Romans chapter 1, colon 22, I'd have been like, um, I forget what that is. So I've been there. I've been there. But the beauty is, is God loves you, man. God's not a God of legalism. God's a God of love and grace. And so what you need to hear tonight, if you're those 16 to 22 people, is there's no time like today. You get to know him better. There's no time like today. And so I believe God's wanting me to tell you that he wants to speak to you. I was reading um, Psalms right now in my kind of reading plan, if you will, just kind of going where God wants me to go. And it says, uh, Psalm 95, verse 6 through 7 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is God. We are the people he watches over. So he watches over you. The flock under his care. The last verse says, if only you would listen to his voice today. So it's time for us to start listening to his voice. And um, when we practice not listening to his voice, it's just going to be easier for you to not do it. All of us wake up every day ready to worship. Every day, wake up ready to worship. You have a decision. You're going to set your affections on Jesus. You're going to set your affections on idolatry. You're going to not acknowledge God. You're going to come up with foolish ideas because that will lead you to idol worship. Let's read the rest here. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. You might read that and think, birds, animals, reptiles, come on, I'm not doing any of that. Well, I think if Paul was talking to us today, what Paul would be saying is they worshiped idols made to look like themselves, made to look like Facebook, made to look like football, made to look like Pinterest, made to look like whatever. 
we easily make up. Make it look like your wife. Make it look like your husband, your kids. Make it look like video games. Make it look like whatever it is that you place above God. Because when you make a good thing, a God thing, it's now a bad thing. Easily. And so that's what happens really is maybe, honestly, you're probably not like making golden calves and worshiping golden calves or anything like that. Like I know that. Like you're probably not bowing down to a statue, to a false god in your backyard. But you might be living as if you um, have to get approval by this person. You might be living like I need to please my spouse or I need to, honestly, I'll tell you what a lot of us wrestle with is I need to, man, I need to make sure that my kids are the center of my world. I'm telling you, you can wake up every day and your kids are going to want you to worship them. It just happens. They want to rule the roost. And you need to let them know that Jesus rules the roost and you love them because he loves you. And so um, everything is going to compete for your affections. And so idol worship is something we need to be leery about. Uh, there's a book by Tim Keller, so I love to read and I haven't read this yet. But if you haven't, um, if you haven't read uh, Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller, I would highly recommend it. It's where he talks about idolatry quite a bit. And he actually summarizes uh, this quote by John Calvin. And John Calvin was an old theologian. And I've never read Calvin, but he's got some really good quotes. And what he says here is that man's nature, so to speak, is a perpetual factory of idols. And so what Keller says in Counterfeit Gods is that the heart is an idol factory. That That's what Calvin says. And that's exactly what your heart is. You will wake up ready to worship, Christian or non-Christian. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to wake up and set your affections on something of this world. If you know Jesus, you're going to wake up ready to worship and you choose Jesus or anything else in this world. That is exactly what it is. And so it's almost like we wake up every day at the arcade in front of this game. Whack-a-mole. Who here knows whack-a-mole? Who here, like, spent five hours in an arcade, like, once a month with, like, two rolls of quarters? Wayne and Jennifer Rockwell. And a lot of y'all else probably, too. But so I remember doing that. You'd go just waste time in the arcade. And I don't think you could be called an arcade if you didn't have whack-a-mole. And so if you don't know what whack-a-mole is, it's this game here. And I apologize for the small image, but I'll explain. It's this box, and it's got like five or six little holes, and these moles pop up left and right. And then one will pop up in the left, and you got to grab the hammer. you got to whack this mole down. One will pop up on the right, and they start popping up real fast. And the object is to whack them down as fast as you possibly can, and then you get points by doing it. That is exactly what our heart looks like for idols. Every day you wake up, and just things are popping up trying to get your affections. Things are popping up trying to get your attention off Jesus, and you have the choice to stand there and to grab the hammer and to whack those things and to put them back in place or to just stand there and look dumb like, mm-hmm, looking at them, mm-hmm, the shiny objects, they look really nice, uh, you know, just standing there. And so I'll tell you, I stood there and I looked really stupid for a long time because I was just standing there watching those things come up. Like, I was just, okay, yep, I'll worship this relationship, yep, I want this relationship to work, yep, I, I need to make sure I'm perfect here, yep, I need to do this, yep, I need to do that, I need to make sure everyone, let, let me tell you this, I'll tell you another confession. I used to be, like, before cameras had the selfie thing on the front, I was like selfie king, bro. Like, I put the, I would put the camera on the shelf, whoever did that. You set the timer, you go over here, you'd be like, <laughs> like, that was me. And so, like, for me, like, I was vain, man. I was all about trying to be all about myself. I was all about, like, trying to look good and get likes and get people to look at me and blah, blah, blah. It was all stupid and it was dumb. But I'm just telling you, those are the things that I wrestle with. But what do you wrestle with in your life that you put above God? And so I just want to tell you, I've been there and I've done that. And so this is something that we need to think about tonight. The beauty is our sinful hearts leading us to sinful behaviors that result in the idol worship is not God's ultimate plan for your life. 
And so the opposite is true as well. Our transformed hearts lead us to holy behaviors that will result in true worship of our creator. So you're designed to worship. God wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. And how you do that is by fixing your eyes on Jesus. How you do that is by looking at God for the power that you need in your life to overcome sin. And quite honestly, not just that. I'm not talking about just doing things that are, that are good. That's worship when you choose to do things God wants you to do. You need Jesus so you can be right with God because there's no other way to the Father apart from Jesus Christ, period. So you need to be transformed. And if you're a Christian in here, you're like, hey, he's just, he's just trying to convince people to be Christians. You need to continue to be transformed, right? And I say that, I'm saying that to myself. The gospel that saves you is the gospel that sustains you. We never outgrow our need for the gospel. So non-Christian, Christian. If I could have the worship team come up here. We're going to talk about this. So if you're here and you're like, I'm checking out this Jesus thing. Or, you know, uh, you know I'm a Christian and I'm here because I love this church and God's building me up. We have two responses. You're, you're following Jesus or you're not following Jesus. Both of us, the non-Christian and the Christian, we're in the same spot. We're, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. We all deal with sin. If you're a Christian, you're in a relationship with God. God's perfecting you. If you're a non-Christian, God wants you to come to Jesus and, and accept his love and his grace and his forgiveness. But the non-Christian has no power, so they have to stand there and watch whack-a-mole. Watch the moles pop up, watch it up. Take their attentions from one, take it to the other. They don't have power, so you have no power to grab the hammer. You have no power to smash the moles in your life. Because the power that you need is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that we've talked about. The power that you need to overcome the sin in your life is the power that overcame sin in the first place to draw you to God the Father. So the non-Christian is standing there and they have no other option but to stand there and look and watch. And you might be thinking, if you're here and you're not a Christian, it's like, I'm not doing that. You are. You just don't know it. And, and, and honestly, you don't need me to tell you. Just pray and ask God, hey, God, like Jesus, I don't really know who you are like, but am I doing that thing that he's saying? Um, are you trying to talk to me right now? And I believe that God will honor that prayer. I believe that God will show you who Jesus is tonight. And so the response for the Christian, for the non-Christian is simple as this. Let me pull up my Bible here. The scripture you might have this on a coffee mug in your house, but beware of the coffee cup verses. And don't think that they don't have power because they do. Um, Romans 10.9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. Period. And so I'll let you know, as, as I confessed that Jesus was Lord, and um, I didn't believe it in my heart until here. So um, the key is the confession of your mouth has to match the confession of your heart. And so the response for the non-Christian and the person just trying to figure out who is Jesus, man, um, is repent and believe the gospel. Believe that Jesus died to bring you in a relationship with God the Father. You don't need to be convinced that you're a sinner. Trust me, you know deep down that you don't do everything right. 
And then the response for the Christian, they're sitting there watching a whack-a-mole. coming up and down. You have the power to grab the mallet. You have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. You know that the God of the Bible is real. You get to decide every day, am I going to spend time listening to him? Scripture says if you would only listen to his voice today, or you not. You choose. I'm, I'm going to whack this mole. I'm going to put these good things back in their place and not make them a God thing. You choose. But that's what God wants from you. He wants you. Pick up the Bible. Get to know me. Get to know me. I, I felt like God put something on my heart. I don't really know how to necessarily work this into this message um, so much, but I feel like God was like, you just need to say it. And so, um, as a Christian, if you're here and you're wrestling, and you're, you're frustrated because it feels like God's not moving in your life, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you did anything wrong. Right? There's things that happen to us because this world is sinful. And so um, there's also things that happen to us because we make foolish decisions, though, right? right? And I want you to know, I'm not talking about the first, but I'm talking about the second. So if you're not making wise decisions and you know better, here's what I believe God wants me to tell you is maybe God's telling you no to some of your prayers because you're saying yes to some of the things that he wants you to say no to. Because obedience is worship to God. We worship God as Christians through obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. I feel like we tell our kids that every day. Jesus, like, just, if you love Jesus, you'll obey his commandments. I was talking to a guy at work, and, and this guy's a Christian, and, and uh, you know, that, that scripture came up this week, and it's not the other way around. It's, if you love me, obey my commandments, not, will you love me if I obey your commandments? It's not like that. So your response as a Christian is to continue to confess and believe the gospel. Continue to admit that you're a sinner, you're in need of grace. Because the answer isn't, the question isn't, hey, you know, um, yeah, I became a Christian like five years ago and, and I said that I believe. The question is, do you believe today? Are you continuing and persevering in that belief? Because God wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. You know what the beauty is about this church is I get a chance to serve with people in the blue shirts. And um, it's awesome because it's an entry point for a lot of people who are taking their next step in faith with Christ and their next step in service. And I get a chance every week when I'm serving, um, we go back and we pray after we set everything up. And one of the things that God's been pressing on me to tell everybody is this is how you worship. This is how you worship today. Like, there's many different ways you can worship. With Tara and Cord and the rest of the band are up here doing is leading us in singing of worship. What Tyler's doing back there with those buttons and putting these TVs up, that's worship. The decisions that you make every day, you have the decision, are you going to worship with those decisions? And that's true worship in spirit and truth. Not to get God to love you because you'll never do anything to get God to love you period. Your most awesome day, you still need grace. But on your worst day, you're still loved. So for the Christian and the non-Christian, it's the same thing. You, you're confronted with this game of whack-a-mole, and the only way you can overcome that 
is to get to know the one who overcame sin for you. So we're going to go into worship, um, but before we go into worship with one more song, we'll leave you with this scripture. And I actually changed this as I was here and I was going through my message. Um, the Apostle John, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved in his, his book, 1 John, the last sentence of this book. So he's writing this book to people who love Jesus, he's writing this book to Christians. The last line of this book, he says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. So that's where I'm going to leave you today. Wherever you are, stay away from idols, from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And so this comes from the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's saying this to you guys right now. This dude hung out with Jesus. Man, stay away from those things because... They don't mean anything in the grand scheme of life. So we're going to go into worship. And um, I came to Jesus at a church service. It felt like God was stirring in my heart. I couldn't go to a church service without breaking down and crying. Can anybody relate to that? Have ever been you before? And uh, it was like an old school church in Hampton. It was like, raise your hand if you want to get saved. And I'm like, my hand was just going up in there. And I just walked down. And, um, but I'm telling you, and I'm, I'm not doing that right now. But I just want you to know is that when you're vulnerable with other people about your need for grace, the Holy Spirit does something in that moment to, to just love on you through other people. So I tangibly felt the Holy Spirit rush on me as I talked with two people about what I was going through. And those dudes, I was actually probably telling them what I was going through because I wanted them to tell me the answer. And they're like, just sat there, these two grown men, and cried with me. And they laid their hands on me, and they shared the gospel with me, and they prayed with me. And from that moment on, I started my journey with Jesus. And if you would have seen it, I looked messed up for a whole long time. I looked really, really messed up because I was forsaking his word. But if you're here tonight, be vulnerable and open. There's people in here that want to pray with you. I will pray with you. I would love to pray with you. I would love to help you in any way that I can. Pastor Justin would love the same. My wife would love the same. Any leader in here would love the same. If there's a person next to you that you know has a relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you they want to love on you and they want to pray with you. They want to listen to you. So as we go into worship, if you feel inclined to say, I'm broken and I just need some help, that's what this church is here for. And so they're going to lead us in worship. One more song. If you need prayer, please come up to any of us. If you guys would like to stand, we're going to do a song that we haven't done before, but the words are super easy and you'll catch on. But Anthony was talking and I just couldn't not sing this song. So it's really simple. It just goes. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you, Jesus. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. My life is worship to you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you, Lord. To worship you. 
Worship you, I live to worship you. 